The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm here. Tommy is here. We got a lot to talk about. Tommy stirred some things up on Twitter that we didn't get to uh, the other day. Uh, We'll do that. But I have to start with a couple of very nice reviews, Tommy, on Apple. Uh, And we would urge all of you, if you haven't rated us and reviewed us on Apple, do so. It'll take you all of 30 to 60 seconds, five stars, and a quick one to two, three sentences or more um, of a review is very nice. This comes from... Uh, bus ages. Is that, am I getting tricked into some sort of, uh, name that actually says something? If you put it together real quickly, that's inappropriate. I don't know. I'm just going to read, I'm going <laughs> to read the, uh, the note that he wrote. Um, it's titled God keep these cultural bellwethers. <laughs> Highly entertaining. Kevin's always got strong opinions that are mostly spot on. Thank you. Great guests. Must listen for regional sports fans, although you will highly enjoy no matter who you follow. Kevin and Tom are my favorite sports talk radio pairing in the 20 years or so. I've listened daily, and it's not close. Keep up the great work, gents. Kevin, please watch The Wire and Narcos, the two best shows of all time. I did watch Narcos, the original Narcos. You know, I think there was a second Narcos, right? I watched the first one on Escobar, um, you know, the one that was on Netflix originally. I watched that one. Were were there... How many seasons of Narcos were there? I think I watched the first two seasons. I, I I didn't watch Narcos. Let me just point out that everything he said there is spot on. It is. He's absolutely right. It's, it's true. It's very <laughs> spot on. Um, thank yes. you uh, for that. Also, um, from uh, Piston Fan Kid, big fan, longtime listener, Tom and Kevin, Cooley and Kevin, love listening to all of you guys. I thought I'd jump on the bandwagon of out-of-town listeners. Born and raised in the DMV, now living in Colorado as of a year ago. Um, and, uh, I love having a finger on the pulse of back home, which this show allows me to do. Also just thought you should know that 
The DC Sports Radio podcast market is a special one. I've tried to listen to Denver Sports Talk, and it's nothing like the old 980 crew. You all are truly a special group, and I'm very appreciative, especially now with my new perspective. That's very nice of you to say. And on the podcast yesterday, I had our good friend Al Galdi on the show, and I love doing that. I love catching up and reminiscing with all of the guys that we used to work with. Galdi, of course, is one of our favorites. I had Scott Lynn on recently. I had Mark Stern on the radio show this morning talking tennis. You know, Stern's got a a big-time tennis podcast that he does. Uh, Zabe comes on this show um, every once in a while. Doc comes on the show uh, every once in a while. I, I love uh, I love that. And, you know, like Galdi and I were talking about yesterday, all of us um, remember those days, and we love the old 980 crew as well. So thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. That was another very ab- nice ab- Absolutely. And you know what? I love that we give such comfort to people far away, you know, <laughs> that are looking for a slice of home, and they get it here. Our podcast arms, Tommy, reach out to all areas of not only, hold on, listen to this. Actually, you just brought it up. I wasn't going to mention this, but as I was pulling up some of these very nice reviews, here's another one real quickly I wanted to read because this is another outside of the market, former DC uh, person. As a St. John's graduate, I'm assuming that would be St. John's on Military Road, and a DC sports fan now living in LA, nothing is better than getting my fix of DMV sports from Kevin and his crew. And he goes on and on and talks about you and everybody else. But you brought something up. So the Apple, I I think I've mentioned this before. So Apple has a podcast chart, kind of similar to like the Billboard, you know, music charts. And they rank the podcasts, you know, there, there's lots of categories. There's an overall sports category, um, and then there is a football category specifically. And this show does very well consistently on the Apple charts in the football category. And for a show that is kind of local, locally driven in terms of content, it does pretty well, very well comparatively um, in the overall sports category. But I was having a discussion with somebody the other day, um, somebody who is kind of in in charge of selling our ad space um, for the podcast. And they said, you know, your your numbers are great. That's that's fine. But it's amazing how many people listen to you and the show that aren't from the DMV. And without getting into a specific number, I'll just tell you that roughly half of our listeners are listening from outside the DMV. Now, I know why that is. Just as D.C. is very transient, meaning people are moving into this city all the time, people are also moving out of this city all the time. And a lot of people that are moving out are big D.C. sports fans. So, you know, we have a big following in places like L.A. and San Francisco and Dallas, Chicago, New York, Boston, Atlanta, Miami. Um, you know, D.C., Baltimore, and then if you, you know, pull in Richmond and the Tidewater area, Tidewater area, you know, which are true Redskin, you know, Washington Commanders areas, it makes up like half the audience. But that's not really why I brought it up. I'm, I'm bringing it up because the person said, you know, your show was recently 
the number one ranked Apple podcast football show in Bermuda. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Yes. In Bermuda, your show was recently ranked number one on the Apple podcasts football category in the country of Bermuda. And then they said, recently you were also, for several days in a row, and it's been that way for a while, number one in the football category in the country of Jordan. <laughs> I, I can't explain any of it. Okay, I can't I can't tell you. I look look, my son was in Jordan like a year ago. Maybe he spread the word when he was in Amman. Um but I I don't know the reason for that other than the obvious, which is there are a lot there's enough DC people that are listening to this podcast in those countries that are, you know, moving the needle enough. For it to be ranked that high. I mean, how many, you know, Jordanians are actually listening to football podcasts to begin with, right? But Bermuda, right. Tommy, is one of my favorite places on earth. We've been there several times. I've never times. been to Bermuda. Oh, I love Bermuda. I've never been to Bermuda. I've been to Jamaica a few times. I've been to Grand Cayman. We, uh, but uh, like we were at Grand Cayman together before we knew each other. Before we didn't knew even each know other. It. I was on my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, I was staying and, at the Hyatt Grand Cayman, and, uh, and Tommy was right down the street at the same time because we know that because the, in, yeah. because the firm was being filmed at my hotel with Tom Cruise and what was that woman's name? I forget her name now. Whatever oh, it was. I forget her name. Uh, Gene Triplehorn or something Gene like that. Gene Triplehorn. Exactly. Gene Triplehorn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know what this means we have to do? We have to contact the Bermuda Sports Podcast Association. <laughs> To see if we can get some recognition. Oh my God! I got to call right? Brian. I got to call Brian from the DC Sports Podcast Association. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Why, when are you, you going to do uh, that? Hold on. I'm going to put it into my phone right now to remind me to do it for next Tuesday. I mean, because we I, can't I, I, take I, that honor for granted. I Kevin. know we can't. I mean, we got to. Re- we we have to. We have to recognize. The, the glory of that achievement. We got to grease the skids consistently. We can't, you know, all of a sudden be forgotten about. Um, no. But so, by the way, they they had all of these countries that they sent me where we are ranked very highly in the football category, and Jordan and Bermuda um, outside. By the way, we're always consistently ranked in the football category. In um, there are a couple of places where we're always you know ranked fairly high. The UK, there are a lot of NFL fans and a lot of Redskin fans, Washington fans in the UK, and I, I've always known that. And we've heard from many of those people um, over the years. In fact, I've been on a podcast uh, or two with guys that host Washington Commanders content in the UK, um, and. I, if the, if the two guys that, that do the show over in the U.K., I'm blanking on your names right now, but they're great guys and they do a great job. But um, we've also, for whatever reason, always been up there, I think, in Germany and in Canada as well. But they, they mentioned Jordan and Bermuda, where we were, we were recently number one. In South Korea, by the way, we were very high as well. So thank you. Around the world, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. You know, there's got to be some kind of promotional material in this somewhere. 
you know, uh, the Kevin Sheehan show, number one in the hearts of sports fans of Bermuda. <laughs> Got to be some kind of promotional material here. You know what? You know the great th- Bermuda. First of all, is just beautiful. It's also very close. You know, it's a short flight. Um, and my wife and I have been there. I think maybe f- like five times. We went there for the first time together with my in-laws, but we weren't married yet at the time. We were just dating. That was a long time ago. Um, we were we were re- recently there with uh, really good friends of ours. Um, and we rented a house, and it was spectacular. But everything in Bermuda is great. Um, Bermuda is expensive. That's the one thing I would say. It's it's damn expensive. But uh, the golf is phenomenal. Um, Port Royal's a great course. Mid Ocean's one of the real beautiful um, golf tracks uh, anywhere um, that you would find on on an island like that. And the trip is so short. You know that's the best part of it. Um, but thank you, Bermudans. Uh, they have a, Bermuda's got a very distinct accent. Bermudans uh, have, um, and uh, I don't know how I would explain it. But um, anyway, those that know what I'm talking about, um, you can you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's, of, it's it's kind of a harsh accent. But anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? Okay, a couple of things. Speaking of cultural bellwethers, uh, I just wanted to get <laughs> to briefly two television shows series I've started watching. That I highly recommend. One is called The Old Man. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, uh, J- Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges yeah. and John Lithgow. Yeah. And it's on FX. Yeah. And I say it's must watch. You told Although, me that. You told me that I last really week. Have a, okay, I have a hard time sometimes not thinking of the dude every time I see Jeff I know. Bridges. He's he's so good. You know. <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah. so good. But he is. He's good in everything. And the other is a Netflix series, The Lincoln Lawyer. I've heard about that too. Somebody just yes. mentioned it to me. Um, yes. Somebody just mentioned just started, that to me the other day. I watching it last night. I loved the movie when it came out, yeah. the Matthew McConaughey movie. Right. And the series is, is pretty good. I'd recommend that as well. When the person mentioned it to me, I said, yeah, no, I've seen the movie before. And they said, no, 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 it's, it's an actual show on Netflix. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, the, I've heard that, um, Bridges is phenomenal in the old man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I think we talked about this show last week. I think you recommended this show last week. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. Well, I'm, dub- I'm doubly recommending it. Okay. Um, look, I, I mean, I don't think a parade is necessary. I think that would be a little bit over the top. But, I I mean, if everybody out there wants to do whatever it is you do to yourself to create great pleasure, I think you should have at it because Terry McLaurin is signed. Um, The months-long angst over whether or not the most beloved player in the last 15 years of this organization He's in the fold, and everybody now can take a deep breath, have a a cocktail or three, and celebrate. Tommy, this thing, I talked about this yesterday, and I want to make sure everybody who reached out on Twitter, some of you who really just don't listen very well, um, I love Terry McLaurin, okay? I love him. This this, uh, idea I have in my head that I feel... Right, it's not an idea; it's a feeling that I have in my head. Um, is I don't understand 
this obsession over a contract extension for a player who's really good. But it has nothing to do with him. It has to do more with kind of how the team is leveraging this good news as they've done, you know, with other things like diversity and inclusion and Sean Taylor dedications and how many in the what's remaining of the fan base seem to feel like this is one of the greatest moments in recent history, which I guess it probably is, I guess. But Barry's Verluga wrote a column this morning titled, Terry McLaurin is Washington's most beloved player since Sean Taylor. Is that true? Well, Kevin, it's a short list. You know? I mean, it's not a long list. And you have to stretch to find them. And I don't necessarily think it's true, but I'm not, I think it's possible. I mean, I'm not saying it's absurd. And I understand the reaction because you have a – you have a – basically – it's like the POW who, you know, gets, gets fed old moldy bread and water uh, every day for a month, and then all of a sudden he gets a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> I mean, that peanut butter sandwich, it, it, it's like a steak, you know? So Terry McLaurin, for a fran, fran base that's been eating moldy bread, is literally like a sirloin steak. I get that. I get the reaction. I mean... Let's be honest here. If it were a peanut butter sandwich, that would be that would be for you. That would be like a sirloin steak. That would be like you know a beautiful ribeye. Um, I get that. I do get that. But I think that like many people who should know better are participating in this. And what is going on here is the team, and maybe maybe at the core of this is me not wanting the team to benefit from anything that doesn't involve winning. Um, I, you know, once again, and I talked about this on the podcast yesterday, you know, Ron Rivera and his get together with the beat reporters, you know, once again, kind of reached out to say, first of all, he called Terry McLaurin um, an organizational signing that not only impacts football, but the business side uh, as well. And then said, you know, Please don't judge us from, you know, this happened at this point in time. You know, once again, doing the don't judge us for what used to be. Judge us for what we've been over the last two years, you know, and I can't do that. I mean, I can separate football progress from what's happened on the other side of the building and what the owner's been doing, but the owner's been doing him. The owner continues to do what the owner's been doing for 20 years and what I see the team doing consistently is taking you know things that have nothing to do with what would really change the course of the organization which is Dan Snyder's exit um, coinciding with winning and you know once again trying to leverage a piece of good news like they've been emphasizing press statement after press statement, you know, diversity and inclusion to the point where it's like, okay, enough already. You're now making it appear 
as if these people were hired just because you were trying to become the most diverse and inclusive organization in the league. You know, it's the constant rolling out Sean Taylor dedication, you know, uh, uh, things. It's like they are leveraging the few things they have that can be said about them that aren't negative, and they're wanting you to believe that this is who they are. And I'm just not falling for it. And I'm surprised well, that others I don't blame are. You. Not for, well, uh, I think it's literally like coming up for air sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like you know stopping and catching your breath, and and getting uh, uh, you know to be able to breathe some air that that that's not rancid and and poisonous. I, I think it's a normal human reaction. Uh, now, now, Ron a, Rivera. A contract extension. You know, a contract extension. I think. I, look, I, I can't, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you know, I mean, at this point, uh, I, I think, I think you have to take the good news where you can get it. My producer and this I morning. I understand the reaction. But I want to understand the embracing of it. My producer this morning, Brendan, said it was really more about they didn't f it up. The expectation was that they would screw this up, too. Actually, that wasn't my expectation. That's the irony of this. My expectation, as you know, is that with this group on the football side, they were going to get it done, that they would get it done. And so I wasn't that surprised. But again, um, you know, coming up for air you know, requires you to actually be underwater. I don't even think I'm in the pool, and I think that's part of the problem. And okay. and and that's maybe my perspective right now. There aren't many in the pool, Tommy. So, you know, this beloved that's player true. idea is, you know, maybe the reaction of a small little focus group. You know, they they sent mail out to, you know, a bunch of zip codes and said, if you're a Washington Commanders fan, you're invited to, you know, to show up to this focus group in Rockville. Uh, we're going to give you lunch and you're just going to answer a few questions uh, because, you know, and, and maybe they got 100 people together to show up for it. Because if we're talking about truly like the most beloved player, it can't be Terry McLaurin. There just aren't anywhere near enough people that care. Chris Cooley had, I mean, exponentially more in terms of people who considered, you know, who loved him as a player. Santana Moss did. Clinton Portis did. I'm talking about in the last 15 years. Clinton Portis definitely did. Absolutely. Well, Cooley, I think, sold more jerseys than anybody other than LeVar and and, and, uh, and RG3. The, The RG3 year, nothing comes close to what he was in 2012 in terms of being beloved. Ryan Kerrigan, you know, had was playing when people were still going to the games. I mean, when you're, when you're having this conversation, you have to consider the, it's it's like we're in the dead ball era. We have to go back to the live ball era when people were when these players were actually playing in front of people, in front of a crowd. That's a good point. That's a good point and 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 should be included in any perspective about about this is uh we're talking about a, a small group, uh, a, a diminished group of people who 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 are making these judgments now. Yes, so, yeah, you're yeah, right. It's it's a diminished and it's a very easy group because they have decided they are all in. 
despite everything that's happened. God bless them. You're a, you're totally totally um, you know uh, entitled to, to to feel that way, um, but you can't tell others how to feel. And you're you're uh, you're a small percentage of what you we all used to be a part of, which was this massive fan base. I did want to just say though. I thought Terry McLaurin, and I watched the press conference late last night, and and I played some of the clips on the radio show this morning. They're long clips. He really is, you know, as much as we can judge from where we sit, which is not, you know, in the building every day, he really is almost too good to be true in terms of having one of your two or three best players be such a mature, wise gets it, you know, young man. Um, so- you come across people like that sometimes. You come across people who at an early age get it. I mean, that's what it is, you know. They basically get it, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Ryan Zimmerman was like that the minute he came up to the Washington Nationals. He got it right from the start. Even when all around him there was chaos and 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 disaster and dysfunction, Zimmerman understood what, what you needed to do to do your job and perform. And um, Ter- Terry McLaurin falls into that category. I, I think um, there's no doubt he falls into that category. And again, you know, I feel like I have to keep mentioning this because I think some of you, not all of you and not the majority of you, tend to just kind of, you know, take the pieces of our conversation that you want um, to kind of reflect your, your view of what we're saying. I am a big Terry McLaurin fan. Um, I think that it's phenomenal that they signed him, and I think it's good for him. I think it's good for the team, and I think he's going to get better as a player. I don't think this is a guy that gets the contract and all of a sudden, you know, we've we've already seen the best of him. I think the best is yet to come, and certainly with a better quarterbacking situation, you know, it sh- and, and even more weapons around him, you know, he could really develop into an elite receiver. I mean, he's already in that 10 to 15 range, and he could go he could go higher. But um, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, when you talk about the most beloved player in 15 years, I understand what Sean Taylor was and what he meant to this organization. But in so many ways, it's hard for someone like me to like if I were to put together a list of the most beloved players in franchise history, like nobody that's played during the Snyder era is even going to be in the conversation of like the top five or top ten. Sean Wood, because he was so popular when he was playing and the promise of what could have been is just – it just lingers in so many fans' hearts and minds, and, and I understand that. And I felt the same way about him in terms of what he was on the verge of becoming. But I, I love Santana. Like, Santana's one of my favorite former players. I obviously love Cooley. Um, you know, there were guys in, that we've you know, known, like Clinton and, and, and Pierre, who we had on the show there for a little while, um, and Ryan Kerrigan, and, and even guys like D. Hall and Sean Springs, who I really like a lot. Like, some of these guys I really like, and, you know, you could say, wow, they were really, really good players, but none of these players won anything. None of these players played during an era where 
you know, you could really take pride in the team. There were moments like Santana Moss had a moment. He had many moments, but yes. he had a an all-time franchise moment. You know, and RG3 yes. had a season. Alfred Morris had a season. Um and so, you know, I think with Terry McLaurin, and I think Paulie pointed this out on, on uh, during the calls this morning, he's like, he, he hasn't had a moment yet. How can he be beloved? Like, give me one moment that sticks out other than this contract extension. I mean, I think without the contract extension and the obsession and the breathless obsession over the contract extension, I don't think anybody would have even thought of the most beloved player in 15 years. I think the last couple of months and weeks really almost added to, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just I feel people are trying too hard. I think, and maybe I think I'm trying are, too hard now the other valid, way. Um, no, I think these are valid arguments. I think the press conference, you know, kind of helped him in the moment. Yeah, but every time he speaks, it helps him. But I think every time... Yeah, but the press, yeah. press conference, I think, I, in the moment, I mean, I think people say, wow, I love this guy. Hard not to really, well, really hear, like him. If you heard him, how could you not say that? You're right. You're right. But, you know, the focus on... I don't know, Rivera in particular... And I do consider him to be a, you know, a competent coach, a, a good man, um, all the things that I've said since he, he got here. I really think now, and I've said this a couple of times here over the last week, I think he just needs to coach the football team and win some games. Just reminding everybody out there, um, they're 14 and 19 over the last two years. The, you know, they're focused on all of these things about the organization that they want us to believe have made it like this beacon in the NFL of franchises. They're 14 and 19 the last two years. And their over-under in Vegas for this upcoming season is seven and a half. So ultimately, is he, has he changed the culture? I think he's, you know, definitely focused. And by the way, we got to give... I, but I want to just make this clear. The two representatives of the organization that they are really proud of weren't selected by this group. Kyle Smith and Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden were involved in selecting John Allen and Terry McLaurin. You're but, right. But I, I, you know, has the culture changed a little bit? Is it more professional? Is, it, is there a focus on good, high-quality people and getting rid of knuckleheads? And, you know, they did trade for a guy with a little bit of a spotty track record here recently, and he's going to be their quarterback this year. All of those things are probably true, but you can't start, you know, as the Wolf said in Pulp Fiction, uh, let's wait a little bit before we start blanking each other's you-know-whats. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> I mean, they're yes. 14 and 19. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I'm going to steal this from you. What? Basically, you've, you've crystallized the commander's fan base now compared to what it used to be as a focus group. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, so I may, if you see that in print someday, just to let you know I'm, I'm acknowledging that it's pretty good. It's a good way to describe what has happened 
And that's why it's absolutely impossible. Like you're, I mean, Brendan, my radio producer, who is a big time sports fan and has a lot of really good sharp takes on sports, but he said, well, why would you consider like, you know, overall numbers? Well, who cares what the percentage of, you know, 50 people say uh, about Terry McLaurin when 50 is basically, and obviously I'm exaggerating, but it's a fraction of what you could have pulled from five years ago, 10 years ago. Beloved, well, you know, if 15 out of 20 people say Terry McLaurin's their favorite player on the team and favorite player in the last 15 years, I don't think that carries the same weight as you know, 150,000 out of 200,000 people saying they loved Chris Cooley. Cooley would be their answer. But anyway, um, we, we, uh, I think we've exhausted this topic. I love Terry McLaurin as a player. love him as a person. Um, I'm wishing nothing but the best for him, and I think it was a really good move by the team. And I guess what I'm saying now is I think they should stop self-congratulating themselves over signing him to an extension. Let's let's win oh, some games. I don't have games. a problem with them. I don't have a problem with them. Uh, basically, from a PR standpoint, waving this flag as long as they can squeeze every every drop out of it. I understand that. Okay. Uh, getting back to Ron Rivera, and this is something that we've talked about before, is his obsession with trying to tell people not to pay attention to the past. You know, it's. I mean. I, and he, he, I mean, it, it's it's so bizarre. It it just shows you the uh, the um, the Sybil like, uh, and I, that's S Y B I L. Yes, the dual personality like uh, you know uh, personality of this organization is you have the coach uh, who's arguably the most after Snyder the most powerful guy in the building saying don't pay attention to the past. And they're about to embark on a, on, a, on a campaign this year, a publicity campaign, that celebrates the 90-year history <laughs> of the team. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and, so, so, and when, so when Terry McLaurin <laughs> mentions the three, soup, the three Lombardi trophies, you know, that's the stuff they want you to pay attention to. They want you to pay attention to everything except what happened under the guy who owns us now. Right. When they name another floor or street or, you know, whatever after Sean Taylor during this 90th uh, season, um, they'll also tell you, just focus on what we've become in the last two years. Yeah. um, Yeah. Of course, we know what he's specifically asking us not to spend so much time obsessing about. Uh, And that would be what the actual workplace culture was. And he did say yesterday, to be fair, and I said this, I I read this quote on the podcast yesterday. He said, I get a little upset about it because I get it. It's a news item. um, But what we do on the field is important. That's what we're trying to do. We're not, we're not trying to say what happened. What happened isn't important because it is, it's something we need to make sure societally going forward. We don't let those things happen again. So we're doing everything we can to make sure we are better. So when is somebody going to ask him when he says that, what about the last two years and the stories about your boss harassing and intimidating witnesses in this investigation? That's not before you came here. When is he going to be asked that? Uh, Why should he be asked that? I know he is. Because he brought it up. He brought it up. 
He said, don't pay attention to that stuff. He, if he's going to continuously bring that up, then he's accountable to answer that question. Because what he's saying is not accurate. No, it's not. It's not accurate, just like the spokesperson for the Snyders in that Post story over the weekend. That was a lying-ass statement, a lot of it. You know, and I guess, um, again, they're trying, they're trying to give us gravy and tell us it's jelly. And, 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 and jelly ain't sweet. I love that line. Um, but but I just, yeah, I, you know, I think for Ron, and I think this was the case, you know, with Jay there for a little while and even Mike there for a little while and definitely Bruce. I, I just don't think they have, they just have a completely different perspective. When you have been, you know, observing this, on a day-to-day basis for 23 years now, your perspective is much different than if you just got here two years ago. And two years ago, you know, he's done, in his opinion, a lot of good things to try to turn the culture around. And I'm not disputing that. You know, and I'm not disputing that Jason Wright hasn't done a number of things to, you know, change the culture. I know this. On the business side, they got rid of a lot of people that should have been gotten rid of a long time ago. And I think Jason Wright had a good sense of good people versus people whose arrogance and incompetence would get in the way of them trying to change the culture. And they cleaned house, you know. And so I know those things are important. But if you haven't been living this, what you don't understand is that Mr. Snyder is still here. Therefore, something is just around the corner from being screwed up. He's going to fuck something else up soon because he's incredibly self-destructive and his self-destruction doesn't impact himself. It impacts and ruins everything and anything in its path. And that's what we've seen for 23 years. And by the way, um, Terry refers to uh, the Snyders as Dan and Tanya multiple times. He, you know, he calls him Dan and Tanya. I'm not, you know, I'm not okay. going to, Ron is, comes from a military sort of background. So that, that might be his thing. I just, I don't think I could ever call somebody, um, that, you know, like that mister, especially like in Ron's case, if the guy's younger than I am. No, I mean, it's 2022. You got to, <laughs> you know, I generally would refer to, I mean, if I was meeting somebody for the first time in, in a level and a position of power, even if they were younger than me, I would give them a mister. Yeah. But if you I were, just would. If, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Okay, fine. I mean, it's I, I'm not your personal preference. Okay. I, I, so, I just, by yeah. the way, let's, let's get back to the 90 year celebration. Are you looking forward to it? I can't wait. 90 years, this is the franchise, (laughs) you know? And let me point out that (laughs) what I think you're probably going to see is my book play out over the course of the season. How so? victory. How so? I think that'll be their blueprint for their 90 (laughs) celebration of 90 years. And here's why. Because a few years after, about a year after that came out, Dan Snyder bought 12 copies of the book. (laughs) I know you've told me that before. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, I know. You told, you not told only me. had that, bought 12 copies, but had me autograph them. What year was that? Oh, I don't remember. 2006, maybe. 
something like that. Is that what you were doing uh, out in the probably. out in the Loudoun County Courthouse the other day? Getting are you signing a bunch of books? No, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Okay. But so so when they do this 90th celebration, you can be sure that their Bible for this is Hail Victory. I wonder if anybody has told them, uh, because they clearly missed out on a lot of the opportunities, that the 30th anniversary of the 1991 team um, and the Super Bowl they won, nobody really in the organization had any sense that it was an anniversary of something very special. I wonder if anybody's told them that we are now, uh, we are in the 40th year anniversary year of their very first Super Bowl winning team. And by the way, their 50th year anniversary of their very first Super Bowl participant team. The 72 Skins were their first Super Bowl team and the 82 Skins won the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 17. I wonder... I think that'll be all cleaned up in this 90-year celebration. <laughs> you, th- you think so? The 1932 yeah, Boston Braves? It was the Boston Braves, yeah, wasn't it? Or was it the Boston yes, Redskins? It was, the Bo- it was the Boston Braves their first year. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Good call. Thank you. By the way, they you also my book. they also won a championship, didn't they, in 1942? So this would be the 80-year anniversary of that. Good call. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay. Uh we Tommy put some tweet out last week or something or over the weekend uh, uh, you know basically saying John Havlicek was better than Michael Jordan. I know that's not what you said, but I'll let you explain it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So yesterday, Tommy, on my bookie, before Baker Mayfield got traded from Cleveland to Carolina, uh, Carolina was 50 to 1 to win the NFC championship. Uh, today, they are 40 to 1 to win the NFC championship. So, Baker Mayfield's trade to Carolina has made the uh, books a lot more bullish on Carolina's prospects for next year. Um, go to my bookie at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll double your first deposit 
all the way up to $1,000 if you use my promo code. If there's something already written in the promo code when you go to sign up, erase it and write Kevin DC, and you'll double the amount that you have to gamble with. There are so many NFL prop bets. And yeah, that trade yesterday, which I talked about on the podcast, Tommy, yesterday, that Carolina basically got their starting quarterback, more likely than not, for nothing. For nothing. Yes. Now, I, I didn't say yesterday, for those of you that thought I said this, I did not say that I would have preferred Baker Mayfield over Carson Wentz as a player. What I said was that Carolina got a much better deal. That's not even debatable than what, than what Washington paid for, for Wentz. Absolutely Wa- did. Washington didn't use yes. the leverage they had. Carolina did. They're, you know, they're, It's not a complete apples-to-apples comparison. But I would rather have Carson Wentz and his ceiling – than Baker Mayfield and his, but there's not a lot of difference in the way the two quarterbacks have played recently. Mayfield had a very good 2020, um, but you know Carolina's got some players on that team. He's probably playing, you know, it, it, like it is every year with Carolina. Is Christian McCaffrey going to be healthy enough to play enough games? Because right. when he plays, you know, they're a much better offensive football team. But I, I. I you know, he's got DJ Moore. He's got Robbie Anderson. Uh, he's, you know, if he's got McCaffrey in the backfield, um, he's got to win the job. I think Sam Darnold's got an outside chance of winning it, but I would favor Mayfield to win it. But uh, my bookie's got uh, increased uh, odds on Carolina, not only in the NFC, but they've upped their odds a little bit in the NFC South as well. Um, so there you go. I was watching uh, before you and I started uh, the first take show and Orlovsky and some other people were on there. Um, they've got a kind of a vacation crew in there and they were debating, you know, it's a July 7th topic. They were debating as to whether or not Carolina now is a playoff team in the NFC. Um, I mean, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I liked them last year. I thought that they were going to be much better than they were um, last year, but the injuries, you know, were, were crushing. I actually like their team on defense in particular. Uh, okay. Um, tell everybody what you tweeted out on last week or over the weekend and why, um, and the response that you got to this. Well, I saw somebody, and I don't know who it was, but somebody had posted a photo somewhere of a comparison between John Havlicek's and Michael Jordan's career uh, achievements. And it's a selective list, okay? But it is a list that points an interesting comparison. Uh, and I, I retweeted this photo uh, with this comparison. John Havlicek, all NBA 11 times. Michael Jordan, all NBA 11 times. Uh, John Havlicek, 13-time an All-Star. Michael Jordan, 14-time an All-Star. John Havlicek, eight titles. Michael Jordan, six titles. John Havlicek, 26,000 career points. Michael Jordan, 32,000 career points. John Havlicek, 8,000 career rebounds. Michael Jordan, 6,000. John Havlicek, 6,000 assists. Michael Jordan, 5,000 assists. John Havlicek, 31 triple-doubles. Michael Jordan, 28 triple-doubles. John Havlicek, 8-0 in the finals. Michael Jordan, 6-0 in the finals. 
and I just let it sit out there. You know, mm-hmm. I said basically, I said for you know for those of you uh, who like to argue about who the great players of all time were. No, you wrote for all think... for all those who debate NBA goat okay. greatest of all time. Right. The world okay. didn't begin with ESPN, which is one of your favorite lines, or with you know with the, with Kevin Sheehan in, in the 1970s. The world didn't start then right. either. Yeah. Right. And I just put that out there as kind of food for thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had to explain later on that I wasn't saying that Michael, that John Havlicek was better than Michael Jordan. I was pointing out that the children that often make these great players in NBA history <laughs> lists don't even know who John Havlicek is. And he is literally one of the greatest players in the history of the league. I think he's top 15. Oh, come easily. on. Come on. Oh, easily. Oh, come on, Tommy. Do you want to know, when, when John Havlicek died mm-hmm. in 2019, do you want to know who the all-time scoring leader in Celtics history was? John Havlicek? It was him. Mm-hmm. Yes. He made eight all-NBA defensive teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, this guy is little. I tell you what. What? He's better than your boy out in Golden State. <laughs> He'd run him off the court. <laughs> Oh, He'd run him off the court. You're cute. You really He'd are. Run him right off the court. You want to talk about motor? <laughs> There's no uh, comparison. Oh, my God. Please. He's a top 15 player. He's better than Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And there's no telling what, what Havlicek would have done with a three-point shot, let alone just, average, just having to deal with two points for every basket. Right. Uh, and he is one of the top 15 players in NBA. He's not, he's not Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. But he was a great player. People say, well, you know, he won those titles with Bill Russell. Well, two of them he won on his own. He did? 74 and 76. Oh, yes. Dave Cowens was a big part of, of those. <clears throat> okay. JoJo White was yes, a big part Scottie of those. Yeah, Scottie Pippen was a big part of Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Scottie Pippen's one of Was John Havlicek okay? a starter on the 74 and 76 team, or was he the sixth man? Yes, of course no. No, he was a sixth man early in his career. And I might want to point out, that makes what he's done more impressive because he had to come <laughs> off the bench to do it. Right, right. You're not you're, this so is all, this it, is this is a little uh, this is a goof that you're doing right now, right? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. it is. Come on. Not goof, buddy. No, it's not. <laughs> it may be a goof to you, but you're uneducated. Right, right. So, what do you, you you texted me this thing before the show started and you said I posted this on Twitter Saturday and caused a big ruckus. Let's talk about it. Um, so what was the ruckus about? Because I think that what you wrote in your tweet indicated or implied that you thought Havlicek deserved more consideration for the greatest of all time than Michael Jordan did. That's the way well, I, I read may it. Have, I, may have been, I may have inferred that. I may be guilty of that. <laughs> well, did you do that on purpose? No. No, I probably should have worded it differently. Okay. I probably should have worded it differently. By the way, I'm reading one of the responses from Craig on Twitter, a response to your tweet. Would Havlicek in his prime have started on the 2021-2022 DeMatha High School varsity team at Kevin G in D.C.? Uh, Yeah, he would have. But you see, that's exactly what I mean. He would have. That's what I mean. Right. This the ch- is exactly the children? what I'm getting at. What, he's a child? Yes. Right. 
Maybe he yeah. was just ha- maybe he was just goofing like you were. <laughs> but I wasn't necessarily goofing, Kevin. I was trying to make a point. Well, what's the point you're Which trying to make? explain later on. The, the, league, that, the, the again, league didn't start with Jordan or ESPN. Yes. Right. There were great there players way great back players. in the day. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I, I wouldn't disagree and with Abitech that. And is one of the greatest. I wouldn't disagree with that. He's not a top 15 player of all time. But Eight time on all NBA defensive teams. Right. He was or a, doesn't defense count? I know defense doesn't count. How many all defensive well, teams have Well, let's not talk about on? defense if we're going to talk about Jordan. <laughs> I'm not talking about Jordan. I'm okay. talking about the you know the the uh, the the uh, the horse champion out in out in Golden State. All right. State. So let me ask you if he's top fifteen of all time. This is. This is the responsible way of doing this. This is the adult way of doing this. This is the non-child-like way of doing this. So, uh, it, it, he's not. You, you don't have him in front of Michael, right? No. You don't have him in front of Magic, do you? No. All right, you don't have him in front of Wilt, do you? No. LeBron? No. <laughs> you hesitated there. You thought about it, didn't I did you? I tell you what, <laughs> who would I rather have on my team? I'd rather have. Oh Africa. my God, um, Bill Russell. You wouldn't have him ahead of his teammate. No. Kareem, you wouldn't no. have him in front of, right? No. Larry, no. no. Kobe, no. Um, no. Elijah, one. Come on, Tommy. Yeah. You would. Yeah. Um, Shaq. No, no. Shaq, absolutely. Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal is one of the most overrated players in, in the history of the league. I, he was a lazy hump. <laughs> he averaged 10 rebounds a game for his career. You know... John Havlicek, I'm sorry. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, what, I mean, I know everyone falls in love with him and, and he's on the TNT show, but he was an underachiever. If winning, you know, all the NBA titles, he could be an underachiever. He was a guy with his size should have led the league in rebounding most years. I not actually, barely cracked double digits. I mean, I, John Havlicek wasn't better than Shaquille O'Neal, but I do agree with you, and I feel this way too. That sometimes I think the the issue with Shaq, he was a force of nature. He really was, but there wasn't the same level of big man competition for him. I think that's what I would say about Shaq. I, I like to me, I've always had Elijah Wan ahead of Shaq. I think Elijah Wan's way underrated, you know, in, in that conversation, as I've you're mentioned right, many times right. before. I wouldn't put him ahead ahead of Havlicek. Um I would not do that. Well, I would. I mean, I'd put him ahead of, of Havlicek, but I, I... I would put him ahead of Havlicek. You're right. Okay, you would put Sha- Shaq ahead of Havlicek. Okay, so... No, no, no. Well, yeah, I would. I'd have to. You kind of have to, don't you? But, but, but yeah, I mean, I grit my teeth when I do it because uh, I think he's an underachiever. Okay. Um, what about... But you you don't... But you have Havlicek ahead of Elijah one, right? No. Okay, so you don't have him there. Okay, so um, hold on. I'm just adding this up because I don't, I don't want to lose track here. Um, what about Baylor? Is Havlicek better than Baylor? No. Uh, what about West? Is he better than West? No. 
Um, what about Dirk? Not better than Oscar. What about Not better than Oscar. Oscar. What about Dirk? Is he better than Dirk? Yes. He's better than Dirk? Yes. Okay. Um, is he better than Dr. J? Because I know you're a big Dr. Yes. J fan. He's better than Dr. J? Yes. Really? Okay. Um, yes. Hold on. All I have to do is find one more here because we're at 14. You, you think he's better than Steph Curry, don't you? Oh, yes. Okay. Is he better than Kevin Durant? How, what are we up to on the list? Uh, 14. Are we one, really? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, um, 11, 12, 13. Oh, we're at 13. I shouldn't have told you the number because now you're just going to – but you get one more before you get to Havlicek. Okay, Kevin Durant. Okay, what yes. about what about Duncan? <laughs> okay, top 20. Okay. Okay, that's better. <laughs> top 20. That's better. Okay. All right. What about top Moses? 20. What about Moses? That's a good one. What about Giannis? But no one ever names Moses. I no, I name Moses. Moses to me is is know, but, very much in the top but, 15 again, conversation. But but you don't hear people name Moses. What about Carl Malone, list? Tommy? Yeah, that's a good one. What about Barkley? I said, look. Yeah, that's a good one too. Okay. What? About, yeah, on the ESPN ranking of the top seventy-five of all time, which came out, you know, in the spring, I guess, or in the winter, they do have Havlicek higher than I thought they would have him. They've got him at twenty-six all time. That's a little bit higher. I understand his greatness. I don't want to act like I – please don't put me in the category of children having a conversation about the greatest of all time because I do remember Havlicek in the 76 finals in particular against Phoenix, Tommy, which included one of the all-time great games in any sport in the postseason, Game 5, Boston Garden, Phoenix – uh, against the Celtics, Paul Westfall against Havlicek and Cowens and JoJo White and the Gar Hurd shot that forced the third overtime after a melee broke out and all hell broke loose on the parquet floor in Boston Garden. That's one of the great games, and it's available for any of you guys to watch on YouTube. Go find Game 5, 76 Finals, Boston and Phoenix, and watch that game and the way it ended. It was an unbelievable game. Um, I remember Havlicek. I remember how great he was. I do. And I remember how clutch he was, too. I'm right about that. He was a clutch player. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, motor. Moving without the ball. Yeah, I remember Pavlicek that. Pavlicek was nonstop action. Nonstop. Is he better than Isaiah? Standing around was not in his DNA. Better than Isaiah? Yes. Better than Mikan? Yes. Better than Dwayne Wade? I never saw Mike in play. Better than yes. Dwayne Wade? Better than Iverson? That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Iverson, I think, is underrated. Better than Nash? Oh, yeah. A much, he's a much better version. I mean, I think we're pushing him yeah. out of the top 20 with you. Um, oh, oh, my God. How did I forget? Better than Willis Reed? No. <laughs> okay. Better than Walt Frazier? 
Yeah. Better than Earl Monroe? Yeah. Better than DeBusher? You're going to go through all the next? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go through all the uh, ones I remember. Better than Bradley? Yeah. Better than Phil Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> Who else were, was on the uh, – that's about as deep as I can go. Red Holtzman was the coach, right? You know, you know that 73 Knicks championship team had six Hall of Famers on it? Oh, my God. Seriously? Talk about a super team. Willis Reed, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, Walt Fraser, Earl Monroe, and Jerry Lucas. Wow. Jerry Lucas. Six, six Hall of Famers. That's unbelievable. The 1973 yeah, really, yeah. team, and they, they're the team that beat the Laker, uh, Wilt and the Lakers in the final, right? Yeah, they beat them four games to one. And Wilt, and Willis, for the second time in the NBA Finals, was named MVP of the Finals. You know who else was on that team as a rookie? Henry Bibby. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And you know who was on the, the 70 Knicks championship team? He was their version of Henry Bibby, Dean Memminger. Oh you yeah, remember hearing about him? I I, I, I do kind of I, I, I vaguely remember that name. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was a pretty good guard at Adam Marquette. He was on the he was the Henry Bibby of the seventy uh, Knicks team. You yeah, know, I remember Henry Bibby was on that. Team. Do you know who else was on the nineteen seventy Knicks team? A, a future Washington Bullet. Mike Reardon. Mike Reardon. I loved Mike Reardon. Everybody loved Mike Reardon. <laughs> uh, Mike Reardon was a really good player on the Bullets, you know, the first yeah. Bullet teams that came to Washington. You know, he was, in many ways, like it was It was Wes Elvin Chenier, and then really, well, Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter was really good. Kevin Porter was an excellent point guard in the NBA. And they traded him in 75 uh, after they lost, they got swept in the 75 finals by Golden State. They traded him straight up for a much older Dave Bing to bring Bing back to Washington, his hometown. And I think, like, I remember looking this up, like, uh, several years ago. I think Buck and I were having a conversation about this. And they wanted more scoring uh, in their backcourt. And Dave Bing was more of a scoring point guard. I think I'm right about that, right, Tommy? Yeah. And Kevin yeah. Porter was just a true, you know, traditional old school assist point guard. By the way, an incredible fast break. You know, Unsell to Porter, and then, you know, Elvin ran that, the floor as well as anybody did. But those teams, um, Bing was not as good as Kevin Porter, and they didn't have the same success when they traded for Dave Bing, who was much older. But Reardon was a good player on those teams. He was their, I, I think he was a, the starting small forward. You know, so it would have been Porter and Chenier, Reardon, Unseld, and Hayes. And then they had Nick Weatherspoon coming off the bench, Tommy. Nick Weatherspoon, who was just lit it up off the bench. And you know who else they had on that team? Truck Robinson. Remember Truck Robinson? I remember that. Leonard, Leonard Robinson, yeah. Yeah, and they had um, they had uh, the guy whose picture always ends up on Twitter when people are talking about old-time NBA teams. Uh, the bald old white guy, um, Dick Weiss, Dick Weiss, Kevin. not Dick Weiss, Dick what? Gibbs, Dick Gibbs. I think his name was. Maybe okay. it was Weiss. I forget. What? What, you, what were you going to say? No, I'm thinking that you know when I posted that, mm-hmm. it may have been when I was at a, a like a party, 
and we had to bring beer. I remember this because I, I we had to bring the beer for the party, right? And I had to go out and get it, and uh, I got this beer called Lion's Head out of uh, Wilkes-Barre. Uh-huh. Pretty good beer. Okay. Uh, but uh, when we got when we had to put it in the core, I didn't realize they were sixteen ounce cans, not twelve ounce cans. And I had quite a few sixteen <laughs> ounces in the in the ride back of Lions Head. Uh, and uh, maybe I, that that was uh, that was the reason, kind of like what motivated that. Okay, well, that may have been a Lions Head induced uh, thing, but it was fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that. I think all of those things when you rile people up, those are, those are always fun. Fun. I mean, you know, you're. It, it doesn't matter if you're wrong. You're never in doubt. <laughs> right. You got um, it. But come on, on Steph Curry, please. Uh, we no, wanted. No, I'm serious about that. We want. Oh my God. We want to talk about uh, to finish up the show. Um, one of the only players in NBA history to get a real no trade clause. Uh, it's kind of surprising who that player is. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This segment of the show sponsored by Window Nation. Beat the heat right now with Window Nation. You can save $200 off any style new window from Window Nation. Plus, you don't have to make any payments until the year 2024. If you've been thinking about new windows, they're old, uh, they're sticking, they're drafty, they're hard to, to close, they're hard to open. Call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name right now. You'll save $200 off any style window with every two you buy. No payments and no interest until 2024 and a free estimate. So no risk by calling them now at 866-90-NATION or going to windownation.com if you mention my name. Uh, So I wanted to mention this to you, Tommy, because I had this guy on radio this morning. His name is Joe House. Joe has several successful podcasts as part of The Ringer, the Bill Simmons, you know, um, conglomerate. I mean, it's huge, The Ringer. And, And Joe and I played golf together over the weekend really good guy. And we talked a lot of basketball. We talked, you know, about the Bradley Beal contract, which we'll get to here in a moment. And he said to me, he said, I think the Wizards were close to trading Bradley Beal at the trade deadline this year. And then he got injured, you know, injured the wrist. But Philadelphia and Washington were perhaps going to put together a deal at the trade deadline where Beal was going to go join Joel Embiid. And the Wizards were going to get back as part of the deal, Tyrese Maxey, their you know, terrific young uh, star point guard. And it was going to be more than that. And I said, wow. I go, I, I, that was not a rumor or a story or speculation that I had heard. He said, lots of, you know, uh, you know and the ringer does a lot of NBA, you know, a lot of NBA. And they've got a lot of NBA. He said, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that we deal with and we talk to, were convinced that the Wizards at the trade deadline this year had Beal not gotten hurt, um, that they were interested in dealing Beal to the 76ers. You know, Embiid had openly said at one point before they acquired Harden that he'd love to play with Beal. So I thought that was interesting. Um, that wasn't. Well, let me just yeah. point out. Yep. Let me just point out that uh, uh, in April, 
I, I know. reported that Bradley Beal was going to sign. And, and in part, ha- him having the operation on his wrist was part of the agreement. For, for I mean, if he, if he agreed to do the operation now, uh, they, they, you know, they had a verbal agreement to sign him to his long-term deal. Right. Uh, if he waited till after the season, then you know all bets were off. Interesting. So he basically he punted the rest of his year, his year in order to to get the uh, extension. He. So I don't know before his injury. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, I mean that the the trade that, deadline was two months before you yeah. had that story. Yeah. And you know right. the, the the injury happened shortly, just a few days before the trade deadline. Uh, The trade deadline, I'm looking it up right now, was Feb 13th, and Beal got injured on February 8th. But anyway, um, this guy, Joe, who, you know, part of the ringer and lots of NBA sources, um, dropped that nugget in the middle of our conversation, and I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I, I, I just never considered that the Wizards were actually ever serious about potentially trading him, and apparently... Um, there were at least conversations between the Wizards and 76ers. Meantime, what we wanted to get to was what was reported yesterday um, when it was official that Beal had signed this five-year, $251 million Supermax deal. Um, And that is uh, that the Beal contract consists of a no-trade clause. According to Bobby Marks at ESPN, the only player right now in the league to have a true no-trade clause is Bradley Beal, and he becomes only the 10th player in NBA history to have a no-trade clause, joining LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, uh, Carmelo, Dirk, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Duncan, David Robinson, and John Stockton. And then also Bobby Marks reported the contract also has a 15% trade kicker and a player option in year five, meaning he gets a 15% increase and then year five becomes his option if he gets traded. And by the way, he'd have to agree to the trade. So they had to do that, I guess, to lock him up. Who do we think made this move, Ted or Tommy? Tommy Shepard. Well, Ted has the final say so on all of this. That's I know it. that, but but who who this this seems this does not seem like a smart contract. So, I, look, I don't know why Bradley Beal is the only player in the league with a no trade clause. He's certainly not elite enough to have a no trade clause, but his contract is elite. You know, it's you know top three in the league right now. Um, it may have been something that they absolutely you know had to have, or he was going to go to unrestricted free agency and leave, and maybe not. By the way, leave in sign and trade fashion, which would have given the team a chance to get something back because he didn't have to do that. Uh, I think as a practical matter, Tommy, they didn't trade him two years ago when they should have. 
Um, and as this guy Joe House told me, you know, let's just say two years ago they could have gotten 95 cents on the dollar. Uh, a year and a half ago they could have gotten 85 cents on the dollar. A year ago they could have gotten 75 cents on the dollar. Maybe before the trade deadline, Philadelphia was so desperate, maybe they could have gotten a lot more. But they, they you know, and, and the injury was there, so they didn't end up trading him. But they've been kind of really connected at the hip with him and really – focused more on trying to build around him. So as a practical matter, they're not going to trade him this year. They're probably not going to trade him in two years. And if they trade him in three years, it's probably going to be a collaborative effort. Beal's going to want out, the team's going to want to trade him, and they're going to work together. I don't know if this really hurts the team is my answer to that. With that said, it is strange that he has it and a no-trade clause just so – Everybody understands that I understand this. It does limit the trading team because it essentially puts Beal into into a position where he can dictate where he wants to go if he were to get traded. So that's really the downside and the risk more than anything is now you've paid him this money, you've got him under contract, and you can't trade him to the highest bidder because he he can basically opt out of some of the trade destinations with a no trade clause. It's it's like the Russell Wilson thing, right? Or no, who Yeah. It was Watson who had the no trade clause. Watson had it. Yeah. Right. What do you have to say about this? I just I mean, look, I, I, I they've put themselves in a position where I think they had to sign them and this means they will continue on their uh Jesus, forty plus year quest to be a 45-win team, uh, you know, which, which they habitually do, and they'll be good. And they might be even entertaining, but they won't be any they – won't, they won't move the needle any more than they have for the past four decades. No, they're not going to do that. The only way that that happens is if somebody on that roster – that we're not necessarily expecting to become a superstar becomes a superstar. You know, the guy they just drafted, Johnny Davis, or Rui Hachimura, or Denny Abdia, or Corey Kispert. That's not going to happen. Um, or or Porzingis. You know, all Porzingis. of a sudden becomes like this healthy freak, you know, and blows up, you know, finally in his career. Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask you one thing before the end of the show. Are you an Otani fan or not? Oh yeah, I mean what he's what he's doing is is, is just remarkable, and you know it's amazing how we are still so East Coast centric, even though you know everyone's so connected. I mean, he plays for the Angels, which is a big market, but he's not getting the attention that he should get right for what he's doing right you know if he if he did it any if he did it anywhere from washington to boston he would just be i mean off the charts you know you'd, you'd hear about the japanese babe ruth uh every 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 single day so uh yeah and he's remarkable and, and the angels are playing the orioles and starting a four-game series tonight in baltimore i think he became the seventh pitcher last night in the last 50 years to rack up 40 strikeouts while giving up zero earned runs 
over a four-start span. He, he's now gone 28 and two-thirds innings without giving up an earned run. And I think, oh, by the way, he had a couple of RBIs too. You know, yeah. what, what you said, I'm going to ask you the question and not presume that I have the answer here because I don't think I do, but I have a hunch. Baseball's not very good. I'm going to make a statement here. Baseball's not very good at promoting their superstars like other sports are. They're ter- terrible at it. Okay, good. They're terrible at it in part because they leave it up to each individual franchise. They have no particular game plan of any note league-wide to, to promote the, the game. I'm sure they think they do, but they're really bad at it. And so basically this has been a franchise-by-franchise franchise kind of thing, and, and baseball's terrible at it. Terrible You're 100% at it. right. Terrible, because he should be a massive star that everybody on both coasts knows every time they look at him. I guarantee you right now, a lot of sports fans couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. You're right. Yeah, look, Ichiro played his whole career in Seattle for the most part. In the last year or two, I think he played in Miami or something like that. And uh, he never got the attention he should have gotten. You know, yeah. so, so yeah, baseball. Mike Trout should be a a superstar athlete. You know, uh, he's he's the greatest baseball player of his time. And uh, you know, I mean, part of it is the player. He doesn't want to, you know, do that much promotion. Who knows? But baseball, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, they have no vision in terms of being creative. In, and they leave a lot of it up to the individual teams. Real quickly, before we finish up, unless you've got something else, Kyle Schwarber last night, by the way, had two more home runs against the Nats. And um, I saw it come across the crawl last night, and it was a close game. The Nats broke their six-game losing skid last night. They beat the Phillies in Philly. How about how – about- how about Josiah Gray, 11 strikeouts? 11 strikeouts. And by the way, very impressive. Tanner Rainey, Rainey finally you know, got it done um, when they had a lead in the night. Yes. But, but uh, Schwarber, I mean, two more home runs last night to follow up two home runs the night before, four home runs against the Nats in two games. Um, and he is, I think he's got 27 on the year right now. He leads the National League. He's a few behind Aaron Judge, I think, uh, for the overall home run lead. Um, but man, it, it just had him for a brief period of time here. But he he can really stroke it. He's not you know he's not great for average necessarily. But man, what a power leadoff hitter! Would have changed the whole season if he didn't hurt his hamstring last year. I know. I think there were two games out of first base, first place when uh, he got hurt. Is that what it was? Uh, they and were it all that... pretty much fell apart after yeah. that. They were pretty close. Right. Changed the whole season and the whole outlook for this organization. Do you have anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about real quickly? Did This wasn't on our Tuesday show, right? RFK catching on fire? No, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> it just kind of, you know, did you see the pictures and the video of Inside RFK? Yeah pretty sad huh yeah i understand it's it's pretty sad i mean i it wasn't another reminder of no it's another reminder of what once what was and it's no longer you know the grass really never did grow there after a certain point 
uh, in this season. But, man, the weeds were popping all over the place. But I remember, you know, they used to paint that field. They used to spray paint that field for playoff games because the grass had stopped growing, and it was mostly dirt. When you got to late November into December, that that field was a mess. And if it rained, it turned into pretty much, you know, a complete quagmire. Quagmire is a word we haven't used in a long time. All right, uh, good show today. Way to bring it. Um, and I'm glad we moved Havlicek out of your top 15 all time. Uh, I wouldn't want you to have been stuck on that uh, through the rest of the weekend. Uh, back with Tommy on Tuesday. I'll be back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.